Well, surprise. No, you're not on the wrong feed. This is the Girls Gone Wild podcast. Claire and I really miss it. And we wanted to release some episodes on this feed just to reconnect with this audience. 2020 left us with a lot to think about in terms of podcasting and what we want to do with our brand and our podcasts. If you've been listening for a long time, this is the Girls Gone Wild podcast. We have over 300 episodes. We've been podcasting for almost eight years and we really love the Girls Gone Wild podcast. We rebranded in 2020 over to This Is Joy and Claire, which we've also been really enjoying. But what I realized is I do miss talking about health and wellness and fitness and that it doesn't have to be a taboo subject. It can be what it is. It can be that we just want to live our best life in whatever way, shape, or form that looks. It doesn't have to be a bad thing that we talk about fitness. So here we are. I'm hoping to get this up and running again. I'd love to hear from you. So This Is Joy and Claire is kind of our main podcast right now. You're going to hear from me mostly on this feed for a few episodes until we kind of get some feedback from you listeners on if you're listening on this feed and what you want to hear and what questions you have about the health, wellness, fitness space. So please send us your questions to girlsgonewad at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Instagram, joyandclaire underscore. For now, I'm doing an interview with J.K. McLeod, one of our previous guests, and someone I just really, really look up to and respect. He is a coach. He's a family man. He has a full-time job. And he hosts a, a wonderful podcast called Help Me Understand. So if you want to follow him, so if you want to look him up, he leaves all of his handles on this podcast episode, and I'll also leave them in the show notes. But he always makes me think differently, and I think that's really important. He makes me consider other views, and it's really one of those conversations that I always leave, that I love to leave that you're thinking about more. And I think one of the best pieces of advice that he gave me was when we were not recording, but I want to share it with you now, is when we were talking after the fact about a recent change that I had with my job. I'm currently kind of in an evaluation phase of my life. And he said, we were talking about money and how sometimes I worry about money or running out of money, which it's never going to happen, but I still worry about that. And he said, you know, even though you're probably drawing from your savings right now, you're really putting energy and investing in something great and investing in something that is so important for your future. And I just had a moment where I was just like, oh my gosh, you're so right. So we have a great conversation. We talk a lot about health and wellness and fitness and coaching, as well as something that he didn't expect he would ever do in his life. So please listen in, enjoy, please send us feedback. We wanna hear from you again. We wanna reconnect with this audience specifically. We've missed you. We hope to come back to this full time, meaning that we would release we would release weekly if this is what you want, but we need to hear from you. So please send us all of your feedback. I hope you're well. We love you. Here's the episode. 
let's get started. And why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Tell us who you are, what you do, all the titles and hats that you wear. Okay, fantastic. Well, uh, my name is J.K. McLeod. Last name looks looks like McLeod, but it is McLeod, I promise. Um, I am a married father of two. I've got a now 15-year-old daughter who's a sophomore in high school. My son, soon to be nine at the end of this month, uh, who right now says he's nine, so we're just going to go with it. Isn't that the best? Um, yeah, it's it's absolutely <laughs> it's like, fair. When you're younger, you're like, I'm 14 when you're actually 12. And then when you're older, you're like, what? I, how old am I? Yeah. Yeah, you're like, slow down. Yeah. <laughs> Fun fact, he and I have uh, the same exact birthday. Oh, how great is Separated that? by a few years, but Just yeah. Few. Yeah. Yeah, same birthday. So um, I live in the central Illinois area and I am a personal trainer, uh, online exclusive. So that is one of the things that I do. Um, I also work in retail sales, so I'm a sales manager, so I do that. And then I'm also a podcaster. So I have a podcast called Help Me Understand, where I will either go on uh, kind of solo rambles by myself, or I have guests on, and we talk about all things perspective, just really getting into the context and understanding uh, not only particular situations, but really just getting more of people's backstory, because I think there's there's just a lot to understand before you decide, um, before you make decisions on how people behave, react, whatever the case may be. So mm-hmm. that's a, a little bit about me trying to be as efficient as I can with these these intros these days, no, you know? Oh, I love it. And you also do, um, per, is it personal training, coaching? You have that on your Instagram? Yes. Uh, the muscle feed? Yes. Yeah. I also... Uh, Sometimes I forget all of the different things I that I'm I like, do. So I put that under, sure. well, I yeah. put that under the personal training sure. uh, umbrella, so to speak. Yeah. But yes, uh, I coach both individual clients and then I've got uh, a group training platform called the Muscle Feed where we, um, we dig into creating training programs that really are meant to enhance and work with someone's lifestyle versus asking people to completely rework their entire life to make fitness fit into it. We want fitness just to be a part of what you do and enhance what you do so that you can show up better for yourself and inevitably um, the people or pets that you also show up for every day. I love that because I was talking recently uh, with a friend about how hard it is to have that conversation sometimes around fitness and just especially relaunching Girls Gone Wad and talking about fitness again is we don't want to make it sound like you're a bad person if you don't work out and you don't, you're not as worthy. And that's just, that's what I realized having this relaunch is we can have this conversation and make it not taboo and it's really fun and you can incorporate it into your life without having guilt and, and making it workable and not having this like good or bad label to it. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, I know as being a longtime listener uh, of your show that there's a lot that we're very aligned with when it comes to that whole mindset around uh, fitness and health and nutrition and things like that. So uh, one of the things as I've gone further and deeper into the industry has been uh, getting an understanding of who I engage with best and kind of where my purpose is. And my purpose really is to just, again, just try to help people be able to still stay active as long as they, they can. And ultimately, again, just show up really well in other aspects of their life outside of whether it's the 20 minutes to the 60 minutes that they're training. Um, 
I'm just a, I'm a, a walking story of how fitness has helped me show up better as a father, better as a husband, better as a coworker, that sort of thing. So yeah. I just want to do that same thing for everybody else, you know? Yeah. I love that too, because the myth is that it kind of was this, you just have to be at the tip top of your shape and running stairs every day or whatever your top that, that for me, like stair climbing is always kind of like the hardest thing to do, but that's like um, the thing. That's the thing for me. Any type of, any type of like quad dominant stuff, box jumps, you name it. Yeah. It's uh, just kind of like that is the thing that I, is okay. the hardest for me mentally, but, and what I've realized lately is I've seen a lot of people in my family age, you know, the, the, the elders in my family age and just really seeing the importance of longevity. So I know it's hard to think about because we want what we want now and we want to quote unquote, look good and feel good. But the more I've been around the people in my life who are kind of aging and seeing how important it is to be able to move when you're older and move freely is just making me think more about like, I don't want to beat myself up now just to like, be sore tomorrow. I just like Claire always says, I just want to garden when I'm 80. And I just want to be able to pick up my groceries. And I want to be able to walk to my car and get in and out of my car and wake up without like, too many creaks and cracks. And I think that that's such an important focus for us to shift to today with fitness. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And um, your what you just shared comes at a really really interesting time uh, for me individually. I just visited my parents who live down South and it's the first time I've seen uh, both of them together in close to two years, you know, just based on uh, situations with travel and things like that. So it was, you know, it's interesting being able to go back and visit family members and things like that, that you haven't seen for a while. And for context, my grandmother who lives with them actually turned 96 years old today. So just to, just to be able to see them still kind of moving and grooving and doing what they need to do. And then see my 96 year old grandmother still moving around the house and, you know, things like that. It just reminds me of the importance, you know, if we can, if we can really help people, uh, find a way to find their fitness in a way that's that's realistic for them and that's doable for them and uh, fits into their lifestyle. Focusing on that for X amount of time, I'm certainly not educated enough to know the exact science behind it, but I think it's pretty cool that just thinking about the fact that if you can stay consistent with something for say like a year, what could that do for you? for the next five years and consistency and perfection, you know, you've, you've probably heard my message before. It's not the same thing at all. So it's just kind of like, if you could dial it in for a little while, what could that then add to the rest of your life? Yeah. Yeah. So the people that you work with, and I guess just like the audience at large, what do you think is the, like one of the most important things, like when we're starting to get into fitness and, or being active again, because I don't want people to start equating fitness or activity of just like this competition or you have, it doesn't look the same for everybody. So where do you start with someone like when they're coming to you specifically for training? Yeah. So uh, I, I really love that question. So I start quite a bit with getting to understand what motivated, and I understand that sometimes in today's times that can even be a controversial term, but 
what motivated that person to reach out to me in the first place. And what's been really interesting is the majority of the people that have been my longtime clients, and I've had some clients for years now, are people that weren't necessarily the ones who always like a post or who always shared a post or commented or whatever it may be. They were the people that were sitting back and waiting to see what sort of rhythm I had and what sort of consistency I had and what I what sort of message I was sharing. And then there's something that resonated with them. So I'll first initially just ask, why Why are you here? Like, why are we talking? I don't know if that tone just came out great, but I'll just ask. Like, why what's, are you here? No, yeah, I get why what you're are saying. you like, here? We talk about yeah. that a lot too, of just the why yeah. behind everything. Mm-hmm. So people will be like, I want to lose 10 pounds. Well, why? Yeah. And you you just nailed it. One of the things that I do is I ask why a handful of times. So I've had people who will sometimes come to me because it's what we call event driven. Uh, so say they're getting ready to get married, they're getting ready to go on vacation, whatever it may be. Now, by nature of the messaging that I put out, very rarely am I working with someone who is getting ready to go on vacation in four weeks and is trying to slim down real quick for a vacation. Um, there are coaches out there who will work with clients like that. That's not really my wheelhouse. My wheelhouse is we're going to try and implement some things that will, uh, like I said, be with you for the rest of your life, things that are sustainable. So I start with like, okay, Okay, so what what has you motivated to do this? Why are you here? What would that mean to you? So for example, if someone says, you know, very common one, you know, I feel like I I could lose a little weight. Okay, I hear you. So what does that mean? Like what would that do for you? And we inevitably, by continuing to peel back some of those layers, we start to get to understanding uh, not only what led to this point, so understanding what some of maybe past motivation has been, what they've heard, what sort of messaging they've heard, and different things like that. But we just get to a point where we're able to really identify what do we want for the long-term future. So once we can get an understanding of what you want for the long-term future, then I start to dig into pieces like, talk to me a little bit about what your day looks like. Uh, Talk to me a little bit about um, one of the best questions. I say best just because it's one that people will typically tell me like, huh, people don't usually ask me that. I ask, so talk to me about the people in your life who will be supportive while you're going through this. Talk to me about the people in your life who you think may not necessarily be very supportive. And I'm talking like may actively try to talk you out of this or tell you That's you can't huge. do this because it's not going to work. No, it's totally important. That's you mm-hmm. know same thing when I worked with a naturopath for Gray's disease last year. She immediately asked, what is going on in your household? And will your partner be supportive of all these changes? Because you're spending a ton of money and time and she's like, if you're set up to fail in the home, it's we may not even we might as well not even start. Yeah, spot on. And I remember um, you talking about that experience and then listening to that episode, Dr. Cook, correct? Correct. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So listening to that and uh, there was so much that I could kind of relate to. And I think that's a question that's often missed, not just by coaches, but really you know, let's, let's keep it real. Not everyone is in life is going to get a coach, you know, because of whatever reason. So I still try to, even when I have a conversation with someone initially, I ask them still the same questions. It's not a sales pitch. It's just straight up like you're here for a reason. So let's kind of start getting into that. And then I base at the end of, at the end of that initial conversation, I base a lot of what my suggestions are on that person's 
personality, like their actual makeup. Like what are the things that really yeah. drive you? What trains you? Yeah. That's like my thing. And that's huge. And I, which kind of leads me to talk a little bit about, and I'd love to get your take on this is I've been thinking a lot about how behavioral health, mental health, because obviously that's in, that's my wheelhouse intersects with wellness intersects with eating intersects with dieting and intersects with exercise and how it really has a lot not with everybody of course but there's a lot of guilt and shame wrapped up around how we look which can sometimes drive people to want to make changes about their appearance and you know it's it's very interesting to me you know I'll talk to for example let's say like Laura Ligos the sassy dietitian and we'll talk some kind of offline we text and we you know do Marco Polos every once in a while and we'll talk a lot about how people will come to her with questions about diet, but then it turns into something that's really more of a behavioral health thing or people in behavioral health will come to me and talk about diet and eating uh, concerns or issues. And they really do need to work through some behavioral health stuff, but also need to go see a nutritionist and uh, or an RD. And so I thought, I think that's really something that isn't talked about a lot or, or at least addressed through coaches because there's, it's just, you can't do that. You know, you can't just sit down and have a counseling session, but sometimes you may feel like one, you may feel like a therapist because they're kind of like starting to share all these things about their life. And maybe they, you know, didn't feel motivated this day and then they feel guilty. And then you start to talk about, so do you feel like that's something that you see often and how do you address it? Yeah. I'm over here nodding my head. Like, yep. Yep. All that for yeah. sure. And I can tell you from the coach's perspective, um, number one, yes, I will confirm for the fourth time. Yes, definitely see that. From the coach's perspective, it can be really tough because in in my, you know, my limited scope that I've had over X number of years and the people that I've worked around, so my colleagues and uh, peers in the industry, I kind of see it going down two paths. You have the coach who will get will be in that particular situation and still continue to go down that lane of getting into areas where maybe, well, not maybe, they're not the expert. It's not something they went to school for. It's not something they have evidence of, like research. I, I'm not sure if I remember if it was on one of your episodes that it was pointed out, but research is not like checking a couple of YouTube videos, you know, right. things like reading two abstracts, things like that. Right. So they'll go down that path though, just because they truly have a desire to help people. Like that's what they truly want to do. So I see kind of that path. And then the other path that I see, which is the one that I try to call out when I see it is um, folks that are just kind of going for the money grab. So they're kind of like, well, yeah, I can tack that onto my services. It's just an additional $100 a month and we can do that. So I see those things when I personally feel like I'm getting into a realm that is something that I'm not qualified to do. Um, I have to remind myself that number one, I need to stay in my lane. I can still care about the person and I can still want them to see results, but there have to be certain things where I have to have those boundaries uh, for their protection. Because I think when you truly care about someone, you also have to realize that you may not be the best person to help them. If my house is burning down, 
I'm going to call the fire department. That's the best person to call. I'm not the person who should be trying to take care of that. I'm going to do what I can to protect my family, but I call a professional. So one of the things that I do is I keep a very vast network of people around me. And that's what I would always encourage coaches to do. And um, within the circles that I work within, this is something that myself and my peers are really trying to push is people understanding that amongst, amongst coaches and trainers, it's not about competition. It's about working as a collective group, kind of the whole, it takes a village mentality. So keeping people around you who are well-educated and who are who have dedicated their lives to those things and be able to connect them to people. And I think one of the best one of the best feelings can be when you have a client who opens up to you about something that they're struggling with. I have definitely worked with clients who uh, have gone into areas where because I don't I don't specifically focus on nutrition. I stick with training, although I've done nutrition coaching. It's not it's not my passion and it's not my thing. So when I feel like I've got someone who is really specifically like coming from a disordered background, anything like that, then I have people within my network that I can partner with. And I know that we speak the same language and that person is not going to send that client into an area that they shouldn't go into. Uh, And especially too with mental health, as you start to get really connected with a client as a coach, when you're really peeling back the layers and you understand that it's not about like, dude, I just want to look jacked when me and my buddies go to the beach. And it's not just about, I want to look great at the next high school reunion. When you really start to peel back the layers, which takes a while, but once you've created that relationship, you realize there's potentially some kind of things from the past that haven't really been addressed. And right. that's when you've got to partner with a professional. Yeah. And not everyone's going to get to that point, I realize. But I think what mm-hmm. I am, especially relaunching the Girls Gone Wild podcast and kind of having this platform on top of the other podcasts that we're doing is to be a source of truth and support and make sure that people are getting their information from professionals that they are getting the correct information. So kind of like what you're saying, you know, like in my field, if I don't have if I have a client that comes to me with a lot of substance abuse history to where it's a point that I am not able to help them, I have to say, oh, I have to refer you to a specialist. So if you're going to a primary care physician and someone's like, well, I need to have my ear surgery done for my eardrum or whatever, they're not going to do that surgery. The, you know, this, this surgery, <laughs> otolaryngologist, (laughs) otolaryn, right? Yep. Because I had one. So I'm like, I know the name and (laughs) I can never say it. But I had ear surgery, you know, I've had two of them. And I go to my otolaryngologist. If I said it wrong, I probably did. But we're just going to go with it. Yeah. And he's great and wonderful, but he's specialized. And so I think, um, you know, just please, whenever, I think one of the things I worry about a lot when, especially with social media and everyone kind of being an expert is that I've seen so many people being like, I can help you with your food issues. And they're not even qualified to do that. Or uh, they have a whole platform and a quote unquote program that I can, I can eliminate your food issues. 
and work with me. And I'm just cringing going, what are you, what are your qualifications? You could do so much harm. You're acting as a therapist. Food issues aren't, food issues aren't something like I have, you know, a hangnail. You're opening up a can of worms when you're talking Mm -hmm. to people about food issues. And so these are the things that I think is important. And, and let's, let's kind of shift gears a little bit because I could talk about that for hours, but talking about like with clients that come to you and say, I don't have motivation. So first of all, we're talking about like referring when you feel like it's kind of out of your scope or you feel like it's just, you're not the right person for them. So then you get people with a lot of questions about motivation. What do you think about this? I think people who are asking about motivation and say, how do I get motivated? We're asking the wrong question because in my mind, we shouldn't be talking about like, how do I get motivated? The quote, the question again is, why do you want to do this? And what's, you know, what does motivation mean to you? (laughs) Because motivation to me means something completely different than motivation to you. Motivation to me, it doesn't take me motivation to get up at 5am in the morning and work out before 630 in the morning. Like that doesn't take me motivation at all. Because I naturally wake up, I'm naturally just like my body likes to work out in the morning. That is just a natural thing. Now, is it taking me motivation right now to sit down and do job applications because I'm in a transition time? Yeah, that's taking me motivation because I don't want to, you know, like, so what do you think about that piece in terms of the meaning of motivation and when people come to you, because we all have this, like, I want to get motivated to work out. I just need the motivation. Yeah, man, this one. So this one subject could be an entire, not just podcast, it could episode, it could be an entire podcast. Yeah. You could cover this every day for the next year. That's, um, that's, that's Joy and Claire's fourth podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll just, <laughs> so one. we're just going to yeah. keep starting them. Yeah. We got day-to-day topics. We got fitness, we got cupcakes and we got motivation, yeah. like whatever you need. You cool. Need. Next we'll do home improvement and we're all good. Um, yeah. So when it comes to motivation, that is a question that comes up pretty often. And uh, you, in my opinion, you're right in a way, and this is going to be kind of like the help me understand JK, right? Totally. So Please do it. I, I love the help me understand JK. The, yeah. So the, the perspective that you bring around, I think people are asking the wrong question. I would agree with that um, from the context that you explained it, because at the end of the day, motivation only takes you so far. It's kind of like people who ask about, you know, I need, in order to get over my food issues, I need to develop more willpower. And it's like, well, willpower, there's the argument of like, willpower is not unlimited, blah, 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 blah. Okay. So I agree with you that it's potentially the wrong question. However, I know that in many in many kind of audiences, if I come out and I just say, well, you're asking the wrong question, that initially could very well demotivate that person. Mm. They could very, and, and I say this because I'm a coach and that I'm saying it from a standpoint of somebody who's coming to me and asking me, basically they're asking me for help. Mm-hmm. And so if I start off with, well, to be straight up with you, you're asking the wrong question. Yeah. So while I may what think that, question, I may not say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah so totally. Think totally. it, say it. Right. So what I will do is I'll say, well, what, when you say you feel like, like, how do you, I, how do I stay motivated? Because that's the question I get very often. How do you stay motivated? Well, when you, when you say motivated, like, what do you see that tells you that I'm motivated? And so I would ask somebody to ask the person they're talking to when they're going to a person and they want that person to motivate them. 
what are you seeing from that person that says that they're motivated? So to run through a very quick example, someone will say, well, I just see that it seems like you consistently train. It doesn't seem like you have an issue getting up early in the morning. Like I'm a morning person, kind of just like you, like I have no problem getting up natural wake up. It's not a problem. Get into the gym, do my thing. They're like, well, it just seems like you're always so motivated to work out. Okay. So what's interesting to me is what you're identifying as quote unquote, I'm motivated is you see that I'm consistent. I do something pretty, pretty consistently. I don't necessarily do it every single day. It's not at the same exact time, but I'm pretty consistent. Check the box. Cool. We're, we're good there. So let me talk to you about what I put in place in order to make that happen. So what I do is I try to communicate with my wife around who needs to be where, when. I try to be very intentional about the first two to three hours of my day so that I, I'm not going... like I have the first two to three hours of my day planned before I go to bed. So I remove the amount of decisions that I need to make in the morning. I'm just going to be able to get up and I just start rolling with it, try to get stuff done before any child has a chance for something to go wrong, most likely. Right, you know, right. so yeah. So it kind of goes back to that whole, the whole James Clear uh, thing where he talks about you don't rise to the level of training, you fall to the level of your system. So while I do agree that sometimes asking, well, how do I get motivated may be the wrong question because someone is asking, what I hear them asking is, how can I rely on motivation to get me going? I say, what are the things that we need to put in place in order to do that thing that you have difficulty doing? So if you have difficulty sticking to a training program, you feel like you're always a program hopper, you switch to this thing, that thing, and the other, what is it about the training program that doesn't keep you engaged? Is it possibly that you keep trying to fit a square peg in a round hole? And that's the problem. Like you're not the problem. Maybe the program it's exactly. the problem. Right. Because yeah. I think a lot about behavior change, and this has so much to do with behavioral changes and behavioral activation and I could nerd out about that a little bit, but I won't. But it's so much too, when I think about it, when I'm talking to clients about things that they want to change about themselves, or, you know, maybe they want to start working out. And I certainly do not mm -hmm. coach them on this, but I'll say, you know, just from a behavioral standpoint, typically we do things because we like to do things. So the easier things, quote unquote, easier things, the things that come natural to us is because it feels good. And we're pretty basic when it comes to human behavior, because we just do things that feel good to us. And we get rewards from it. So the people who get rewards from running or get rewards from working out or get rewards from whatever it is, that is why it probably on the external looks easy for them because they're just kind of in that groove of getting the reward. Whereas not everyone's going to get that reward from working out. It just isn't, you know, that's why we're all different. And then I also think about like intrinsic versus extrin extrinsic motivation, where intrinsic motivation, you're just super, super internally motivated. Extrinsic is you're really relying on the outside factors for motivation. So it, it it's, there's so many complex layers to it, but I just had to add that. Yeah. And you said something really, really important there with the intrinsic and the extrinsic. So I'm just going to make it easy on myself and say internal and external. Great. <laughs> because I, I like that too, because I stumbled. Yeah. So I think uh, I, I try, I'm trying to reprogram myself to 
use the phrase internal and external instead of saying internal versus external. Because again, what, what I'm coming across more and more is people who are really paying attention to the language. So if I'm telling them, you know, talk to me, talk to me more about your internal versus your external, they're subconsciously feeling like, okay, well, I guess external motivation is bad and whatever it may be. No, at the end of the day, if yeah. you just want to look good, you just want to look good. Like I'm good with that. Yeah. So the way that I look at it is we can have external motivation at some point though, those pieces, if you were to list them in under two columns and there's a, there's a great, um, I'm going to name drop real quick. There's a great person uh, who I've interacted with and gone through some coursework with her. Dr. Casey Joe is her name. And she does a lot of work behind the science of motivation and mindset and more than just the, you know, I have a program that I can sell you and whatnot. Like this is what she does. And one of the things that she walked us through was this really great exercise around intrinsic, I'm going on a risk here, intrinsic motivation and extrinsic motivation. (laughs) And one of the things that I pulled out of there was under my, under my intrinsic, I had one thing. I had one under my extrinsic, I had like seven things. Interesting. Yeah. But what I found was interesting. So at first I was like, well, shoot, am I, am I like the the imposter syndrome kicks in, right? I'm like, am I some sort of a fraud or something? Am I missing Mm -hmm. it? And then I thought to myself, no, this one thing, like I am laser focused on what that internal motivation is. And that internal motivation is big enough for me to continue to move forward. And when some of those external pieces are either checked off the goal board, or if they fall off on the wayside, my internal piece is important. It's important enough to continue to propel me forward. So that's why I think it is important back to your point to make sure that there is some sort of internal motivation. There's a, there's a why behind it. And I do completely understand that that phrase is now just being utilized over and over like the, what's your why? Um, at the end of the day though, you have to have something that will really energize you to put the systems in place so that you don't continually have to draw on your willpower. Like your willpower should be something that you need to kind of every now and then, you know, you got to dip into the emergency fund. But at the end of the day, I, I think the great coaches are the ones who are helping you put systems in place that make things sustainable for you for however long. So what do you think about the world of, you know, like fitness has kind of received this bad reputation that there's guilt and shame around it. And that's what I really want to keep talking about it that we don't have to, it doesn't have to be that way. Because let me ask you this. Why do you think it's important for people to have fitness in their life? What does that even mean? And yeah. is, are people that do the fitness better than people who don't do the fitness? And can we just make it what it is that is just objectively maybe better for our health? Like, are we still talking about that? Or is that taboo now? It's all very confusing to me. <laughs> yeah, the fitness. So I think that one of the things that you just said is really important. And first, it's identifying what does fitness mean? And let's let's just rephrase it. What does being fit mean to that person? And I recently posted about this, like the season that you're in. So one of the first things that I try to get across to people when we are looking at, okay, what is the focus going to be for you know this training block or whatever it may be is, well, what season are you in right now? And I'm not talking like summer, winter, fall. 
I'm talking like talk to me about on an average week where are the places that you need to go what sort of responsibilities do you have and things like that so if we know that right now you have these many this many things going on so those are the things we can see and we can schedule but also underneath that there's a pretty heavy amount of stress because of other things that are happening within your life like just saying i, I used to i've given this example before because I finally experienced it myself. Just saying that you pick up the kids from school each day, that's one thing if it's on your schedule. But because I try to get to really know people, and also I'm a parent myself, pick up from school now is is a very interesting experience. Like you got to get there hella early or I, else. Yes, yeah, I'm aware. I've heard yeah, a or lot else of stories. Hypothetically. Like a lot of clicks. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff going on at pickup. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. Or and hypothetically, you might have an almost nine-year-old son who now gives you feedback on what time you got there because mm, you were like yeah. my son phrases it as were you in the top five cars that like top five? Oh, yeah. 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 So those are things that potentially could be stressful because then you might be late getting somewhere else, whatever it may be. But back to kind of back to the point when we are, when we're taking a look at identifying what season that you're in, that's where we start. Like, what does your life look like? And what does, what does being fit look like or feel like right now? Like, what is that? So there may have been a point in your life where you could squat 500, you could run five marathons every summer. There may have been a point that you could do that. And that did not have any sort of detrimental effect on the other pieces of your life. As my grandfather would say, how be ever, where we are now, though, is that something that you're willing to dedicate your time, effort, and energy and money to at the detriment of other things that you have going on? Your social life, your work life, your family life, things like that. Are you willing to do that? Well, if you're not willing to do that, then why are we still trying to use, like my example, like why are we still trying to use a lawnmower in the middle of a snowstorm? It's not the right tool to use. So I think that my long-winded answer is let's go back to define what fitness is for you. Like, so what fit means to you. So I talked about my 96-year-old grandmother. I am extremely happy that my 96-year-old grandmother can walk from room to room. She uses a cane and she walks from room to room to room. I'm so happy that she can do that. That is completely so happy fine. She can do that too. That's yeah. Like I'm, I'm good with that. And I understand that maybe that's an extreme example. So let me dial it back like 40 years. Then I'm good if at the age of 50, you know, there I can still move my body in a particular way. I'm not going to, I understand that I'm not going to move my body at 50 the way I did at 40, perhaps, but you know what? Am I doing what I can with what I have available at that time? And also doing it in a way that's not a detriment to everybody else. Like being beat up after uh, a hard and heavy five training sessions, and then you're falling asleep at your kid's soccer game, and then like you just you hate life and you're cranky and whatnot. That that ain't it. Like that's right. just not where it's at. Yeah, I just went on a whole ramble, but no, that's I, that's my these yeah. Are the things that mm. keep me up at night sometimes, especially around the fitness. And you no, know, I really am saying like the fitness question of making sure we're not looking at fitness as an Instagram ad or a swimsuit model and making sure that we're, it's really an individual treatment plan, if you will, if I'm kind of looking at it from a clinical perspective, yeah. so individual and that we are one of the 
best things I heard when we had an eating disorder specialist on years ago, this was probably, you know, in the, in the episode 100s, is that we are not body parts, you know, your arms are just not, you know, you can't just like tone your arms or tone your butt or I mean, you can, but like, you can't just, why are we looking at ourselves in these parts? And I, that's a really important way to think about it. Because for the longest time, there were parts of my body I didn't like. And I was like, that's weird that I'm just kind of like, whittling down my worth to body parts. What is that? Yeah, there. I, I don't want to misquote it. And I listen to so many different things. Like I listen to a lot of contests, yeah. uh, content. So I can't remember exactly where I heard it, but one of the the more mic drop things that I ever heard someone say was a woman come into a room and she just said, listen, if your body is the most interesting thing about you, we've got some other things that I'd like to work on. And I was like, whoa, hold on. What do you mean by that? And she was like, okay, I get it. Like I just kind of came in like a bull out of a China shop and said this thing, but then she started dialing it in a bit or dialing things through a bit more and was really trying to walk people through in this particular um, talk. She was trying to walk people through, take a minute and like, let's really think about all of the things that you value about yourself and things beyond just what you look like, like what can your body do? How, you know, how can you move? Also, let's talk about just your effort and the things that you do for yourself and the things that you do for others. So she came out with this very, you know, pretty direct statement, but um, it really hit like a ton of bricks because it was about, you know, you will find plenty of folks who will spend all sorts of time trying to convince you that, you know, you have, you have an issue with your body. And once your body is, looks like this, then all of a sudden everything else is different. And it's like, whoa, hold on. Like, let's ask people what, what they value about themselves. And an interesting exercise uh, that I've been through was really to sit down and having a conversation with someone who was putting you know, a lot of stock in what they looked like. And again, maybe I'm coming across as the guy who's like, I don't care what you look like. It's, I understand that aesthetics are a thing. It's just to me that that's just something that you assume it's it's within the pieces of the things we're we're working on, but I think that walking through an exercise where working with someone who was very very focused on what their body looked like as like the only motivation there was nothing else, the question was okay what are some of the things that you value in other people and they could list like all of these different things, and so they said okay so what are those why can't you look at it that way for yourself too? Because all these people that you talked about that were so important to you, and then the things that you really valued in them, I noticed that with none of those people, did you say, I value their legs, their arms, their feet, their whatever. You talked about them as a whole person. So I think that's that's really, I think, where if we can continue to move the needle forward just by emphasizing what people can do and how they make people feel, then I think we begin to help people understand the value that they bring that is beyond their physical appearance. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's switch gears a little bit around toxic relationships. Uh, Because I think, you know, I wanted to make a little bit of a joke how we all can work on our quote unquote, toxic relationships with our bodies, because that that is a gnarly relationship. But Claire and I recently did and I'm kind of joking, you guys, Claire and I recently did an episode about toxic relationships on the This Is Joy and Claire podcast, and you said it kind of struck some chords with you. So can you talk a little bit about what 
what that was like? Yeah. So this one, I'll be straight up with you. I listened to that episode twice because I really had to to kind of let it digest. And it, it wasn't specifically the toxic relationship part. It was the conversation around leaving like the toxic situation as far as like jobs and different things like that. And after bringing up Simone Biles in a conversation with some other people that I would consider to be like really close friends, people that have no- we've known each other for a while and we're kind of along the same wavelength, there is it is a really tough conversation to have on like the push pull of staying in a situation and understanding that sometimes things are going to be tough and then the flip side of that with i i need to walk away from this i have to quit and the perspective the perspective that i brought to it was actually a very different perspective because my whole piece from in this group that I was talking about, you know, everyone was very supportive of what Simone Biles did. And they all said, like, we get it, we get it, we get it. I also very supportive of what she did. Where I was really, where I've been really frustrated is that I'll tell you the truth, in the majority of my day-to-day interactions, what people post and how they treat other people are two very different things. So I I watched numerous people post support and all of these different things for leaving certain situations that are draining your energy, you know, all that sort of stuff, which I'm a big supporter of. But I also know that many of those same people, I want them to keep that same energy when they're interacting with a person day to day, especially these days, like in the service industry and different places like that, and maybe places that are understaffed. And that person at the grocery store is just trying to do their best to get through their shift. And that's that person who didn't quit and they stayed inside the situation because they felt that they didn't really have honestly much of a choice because not even going to the extreme, but it's, you know, they're, they're paycheck to paycheck. They just got to do what they can do to get by. And that person made the decision to stay there. Are we keeping the same sort of energy that we have for Simone Biles for that person who's at Aldi? checking stuff out for us at the at the counter are we keeping that same sort of energy and i think that i put myself in the situation of the person who you know i'm not in a situation to walk away from that i need to stay where i am does that make me a bad person does that mean that i don't i'm not sticking up for myself no it doesn't but there's this wave of conversation around like, hey, walk away. If it's not serving you, it's okay to walk away. I think, and I think you all presented this point of view too very well. Mm -hmm. I think we have to understand that there truly are people where they cannot. So we, I think that we would do well to think about the perspective of the person that can't walk away from it. And as we, as, as I am trying to talk with that person to help them navigate through it. I sometimes will have other people who will say to me, why don't you tell them to just quit that job or walk away? Yeah. I'm like, yo, you don't, you don't get it. They, they that's can't, like point. they can't really walk away. Point. It's a really good yeah. Point. yeah. So that's where I, I agree with, or, or, yeah, I definitely get where a lot of the perspectives are coming from, but I think what can happen is there's, you know, this, it's like media decides this is what the narrative is going to be. Yes. It's like, yeah, but day to day, most of the people you're interacting with, they you can say, hey, walk away from it. It's a toxic situation. 
they walk away, their kids don't eat. Like that's the literal situation. Right. <laughs> like their kids exactly. don't eat. Yeah. So and let's also just, work with how do you a, navigate? Yes. How do you navigate toxic relationships? That's yeah. a really good point because, and thank you for that perspective. It just so reminds me of how, why I love the Help Me Understand podcast too, because you're always just really looking at things from all angles. I think the especially when we were talking about it, I was talking about it in my situation where I left a position that was a pretty toxic work culture and I just knew I needed to leave, but it had been a long time and I'd kind of just been lying to myself that I could just kind of grit my teeth and get through it. And in my particular situation, it just got so bad that I was just not well. I was physically getting ill from that situation, I had the opportunity to make a choice to leave. Now, I think that that wouldn't end up harming me, but I could see it would it would help me. You know, the outcome of that, I took a risk to think, I'm going to take this risk, but I, I have like a cushion to land on, if you will, that it wouldn't be so detrimental that I wouldn't be able to pay my mortgage, you know. But you bring up a really good point of you know, not everyone is in that scenario. Where it's like, yeah, just leave, just go, you know, who needs them? Where there's situations in, here's an example, and I know we mentioned this in the show, where, like, we're not talking about relationships, or it's domestic violence relationships, where really nine times out of 10, it is not safe to leave those relationships. Like, that's not what we're talking about. But in a situation where people may have a to- to- toxic work culture, but they need this job and they need to put food on the table. We're not just saying like, live your best life. Cause I cannot stand that toxic positivity. Like speaking of toxic stuff, it's like toxic positivity. We can't just yeah. all of a sudden turn it into that. Be like, live your best life, girl. Like, you know, girl boss and just go start your own thing. Like that is just, that it drives me up the wall. You're laughing. It's like, I am. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Are you agreeing? Because with it's me? I, I'm whole. I'm wholeheartedly agreeing with you. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. Yeah, yeah because I I think that the context is so important, and that's not to say that I'm I'm going to stop throwing out the disclaimers. Like I've been connected to you guys for a while, so you understand yeah. where I'm coming from. I do. Yeah. So I think. I think that what that episode itself didn't frustrate me. I, I want to say what I think is frustrating to me about sure. the whole situation when it comes to this conversation about quitting and walking away as someone who is very much the whole, like I I'll wear a protect your energy banner the rest of my life. If I can, I am very much about that. But I think that that is not what you see day to day is people supporting other people walking away from certain or people treating people in a in a way that doesn't um, that shows them like hey i understand you're having a tough day whatever it may be like it, it's it just is not something that i see consistently consistently playing out so i think that there's that perspective of hey if you are if you are someone who supports listen people need to be able to leave toxic situations, work situations, relationship, whatever it may be. Also be the person who is helping to put systems in place to support those people when they want to walk away. Mm -hmm. So be the person to do that. And I had, so I had a recent conversation with my dad around somewhat around this area. We were talking about like different groups that we work with. He works, he has a nonprofit where he works with boys ages um, five to 19 
and he works with them on becoming leaders and um, character development and different things like that. I don't work with that population. <laughs> I work with a very different population. But we were just talking about the fact that everybody kind of has a, a certain population that they work with, and that's fine. If you realize that there's a certain population that maybe you don't necessarily work with very often, at least pour time, money, or energy into the people who are trying to help those people. So specifically, you know, you talk about domestic violence um, or any other sort of a situation. Like if you are about that same energy, empower the person, then my challenge is like pour something into organizations mm -hmm. that are trying to empower those people to do that. Cause it's not a, it's not easy. Like Jory, I'll tell you a very quick story and then move on. Yeah, please. And it's something related to domestic violence. So years ago, uh, I worked for the gap many, many, many years ago, and we did a winter coat drive for my employees. So my employees, we asked them to all bring winter coats and we did donations for a local organization. And this was in the St. Louis area at the time. So we grabbed, you remember the gap arch logo fleece? Oh, absolutely. The big gap logo. Yes. Loved big it. back wall. Yep, oh yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yep. So we ended up like buying a bunch of those and putting them in the donation thing and whatnot. And I will never, ever forget. Like I, I was thinking, you know, I'm, I'm in my mid twenties, early to mid twenties at the time, just kind of doing my thing and living my best life, whatever it may be. And I'm just like, yeah, we're donating stuff. I feel good. Cause we're donating stuff. Yeah. I just thought we were donating stuff. Come to find out that what they were using the clothing for was to clothe people who were leaving adults and their kids who were leaving dangerous situations because they also couldn't transport them. So they had to wait outside for a bus so they could get somewhere and they needed to make sure that they were enclosed that the potential partner wouldn't recognize if they were looking for them out on the street. And they specifically wanted coats with hoods so they could pull it. Like that's the type of stuff where it's like, keep that same energy day by day and try to pour into organizations that are out there, like they're out there doing the dirty work, like they're out there doing the stuff. So that's, that's just where I, what I wanted to say, I realized I yeah. just went way off no, topic, but so it's good though, on like a larger scale of how to solve the problem or at least how to contribute, how to, I like to think of it this way, like how to contribute to a solution. Yeah. That's a great way to that's a great way to efficiently say it. Yeah, how to contribute to the solution. <laughs> yeah. um, yes. Okay, yes. so last question, and then we'll wrap up for this one. And I just so appreciate your perspectives and your input on everything. I'm just, I just really am a fan of you. Um, the, have, what in your life, I've been thinking a lot about kind of looking back and being reflective, you know, I'm turning 44 in a couple of weeks, and I'm thinking back on my life. And the question came up to me recently of like, what have you done in your life that you never thought you would have done by now? Or that you just net like if your past self would have been like, whoa, my future self did that? Is there something in your life that you look at now? And you're like, I'm pretty proud of that, that that happened for me. Man. Okay, so and I think the obvious is like kids and family. So like, you don't have to do that. Like, I know that's so obvious, but you can obviously be like, yeah, like, I never thought I'd have such amazing children and family. So I may be, I may be a little bit of an outlier. I did think that was going to happen, but I, I legit think that my parents like willed, willed oh, my children to me. Like, I think yeah, that's, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Fun that's fact, cute. my mom gave me father's day cards. Once I moved out of the house. 
once I graduated from high school, my mom has been sending me Father's Day cards since I was 17 years old. That and is that, unbelievable. Yeah. And it's not because, because I, I texted her this past Father's Day because I was like, mom, am I, I don't want to do the revisionist history thing. So I need to make sure I'm not making this up. You've sent me Father's Day cards for almost 30 years now. And she's like, yes, I have. And I said, can you explain why? Because I've never asked. I just take them and it's good to go. And it wasn't because my mom was, she let me paint the picture. She is the opposite of the whole, like, when are you going to have grandbabies? Like that was not the case at all. She said she wanted me to understand how special it was going to be when I became a father. So to me, like my parents just had kind of this vision all along because my dad did like the character development stuff. And my mom just tried to make sure I was going to be at least a slightly responsible human. I did a whole lot of stuff to go a few different directions. But back to your question, you know, I would honestly say other than, yeah, other than the obvious with family, because even though I feel like it was kind of destined to be, it still is one of those things where I, I think the parents out there can relate where you're just like, I still can't believe that I have humans. I would say it's where I am in fitness, 100%. And I would say that it's it's not based on any sort of like negative self-talk that I ever had. I think that as I was growing up, I just assumed that I would be, my passion would lie somewhere else. I did not ever, ever, ever think that fitness would be something that would be the passion that it is. And really for me, it's like the vehicle that drives an even deeper passion. Like my deeper passion is people realizing that they can do better. And it doesn't mean like you're you're all of a sudden, you know, the leader of the free world. It's just that that you have the potential. You can do some stuff. It might be uncomfortable. You can do some stuff. But I grew up as a asthmatic. Um, I was in emergency rooms all the time. My mom was constantly taking me to the hospital. Um, I still have scars on my ankles and ankle mobility issues because it was back when to the point where they couldn't get a vein in my arms. So they had to do, I believe they're called venous cut downs to get like an IV. So I had constant asthma attacks um, when I was in, in high school and in middle school. Whenever I was on a team, number one, there were no tryouts. So I always made the teams that had no tryouts because they didn't have a choice. And I hardly ever played. It was usually when things were out of hand. So I just, where I am right now from a fitness standpoint, I definitely, no one who knew me all the way, th- let's say even all the way through the age of about late 20s, because I didn't start go into a gym on purpose until I was about 31 and I'm about to turn 43 uh- now. On purpose. Yeah, n- not on purpose. Okay. Um, I had a community college class that had that was in the weight room. When I found that out, I dropped the class. And then oh, um, wow. in college, I ran a couple of times because there was a girl that I really, really liked. And she wanted to run. And then I think I made up that I was injured uh, halfway through <laughs> so we could walk. <laughs> but yeah, I never would have seen that. Never would have seen this coming. But I can truly say, uh, I actually told my coach about this not too long ago, my nutrition coach. I was like, you know... I don't know if there's something wrong with me or what it is, but I literally go to bed and I feel like sometimes sleep, as important as it is, I feel like I get annoyed because it's kind of like I'm waiting so that I can just get back up so that I can finally get to the gym just for that hour, hour and a half in the morning. Oh my gosh, there's so many people right now that are hating you for saying that. I'm sure they are. I'm sure they are. And this is only for the morning people out there. 
love the mornings. I am so happy in the mornings. And I once saw a quote that is not true at all, but I like it because it's true for me. It says, the mornings are wiser than the, than the nighttime or something like that. I don't know. What it was, but it's like <laughs> You're out here trying to start controversy. I am because I'm like, yeah. it's not really true because there's definitely night people who are way wiser than me that are just like up at all hours of the night getting stuff done. But yeah, it's just, it's beautiful. Mornings are great. It's a new day. Yeah. It's a new day. I love I, I love the I used to actually be more nighttime, actually. I used to be much more of a night owl, but uh it's again one of those when you were younger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. It's just it's one of those things where as other responsibilities came about, I was thinking to myself, like, when do I have the best chance of getting this done with the least chance of interruption? And at the time I was running a retail store and would have people like employees who would be in the store until 11 or midnight. So that meant I could get a phone call about some situation up until 11 or midnight, but there was nobody in the building before about five or 6 AM. So, I mean, there were some times where I was getting up at like two or three, just because oh my God. that's when I it's knew like I could be just been a newscaster at that point. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah seriously. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's, I, I really like that question. I have not been asked that question before. So it definitely Lovely. gave me something to think about. Well, I yeah. will definitely talk to you next time about Kanye's new album. Um, yeah. And the performance that he did. Uh, <laughs> and I'd love to get your take on all of that because I have some thoughts about it. And I really have a feeling that you do too. So we'll leave that little cliffhanger yeah. for next time. Yeah, I for sure. I so appreciate you joining us for this relaunch. So thank you, JK. Yeah, as always, I appreciate being, a, being able to connect with you. So thank you for the opportunity. Cheers. Cool.